Hey everybody and welcome back to Success Story where we have a little bit of fun um, looking at the characteristics of people um, who inspire us and who we think are successful, whatever that might mean. In this episode, which is one of a three-part series, um, I want to investigate the concept of disagreeability and that concept of disagreeability linked to desirable difficulties. And so we should start with that really famous George Bernard Shaw quote, um, which was from a time where everybody was referenced as a man, which is, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world, the unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. And so I think, for reasons that will become clear and are quite personal, um, in these three episodes, we're going to look at the possibility of the fact that we need to harness disagreeability. But I guess first we need to know what disagreeability is. So where to start with this? Because it's, there's lots to talk about. And I'd, I'd like to sort of define the disagreeability and how I found out about it and then how it came to... how I came to understand it in my mind and then how I came to try and harness some of the benefits of it. And it was, it was beautifully explained to me by Gladwell in, in David and Goliath, but we'll come back to that later. But when I was growing up, um, and I was a teenager now, um, and I think back to those times a lot now because I have, my son is a teenager now and he's 15. And I go back to what was I like when I was 15 because he is a tall, skinny ripper like I was at that stage. But I had various traits at that time which used to drive people insane. And one of those was tapping my foot all the time. I would sit and tap my foot all the time. I would never sit still. And I got in so much trouble, never at the dinner table or in school or things. I was always tapping, always moving. In fact, I'm doing it now. And I get a lot of comfort from doing that. Sometimes I feel like I just have to be moving. And I also would pull every T-shirt I had, I would pull over my nose and chew the front part of it until there was a hole in it. And my, nobody could understand why I did that, least of all me. But I was always fiddling with stuff. And not in like an engineering type of way and not in a taking things apart type of way to see how they worked, just because I needed to be active. I could never sit still. And I think that probably what saved my life was finding basketball because I... I ended up training and playing basketball 30 hours a week, some weeks when I was a a, a schoolboy. And I think it just exhausted me um, so that I could not have the energy to fiddle as much as I did. But it definitely was a kind of inherent part of my character. And so what we did as part of this, uh, Nancy and I, we had a bit of fun. And um, I decided, for, for reasons that will become clearer later on in this little series, um, to do an adult screener for ADHD. Because I've always joked about the fact that that I think I've got ADHD or tendencies towards ADHD, um, but I've never really done anything to look at it. Now, please take this in the spirit that it's intended. We had a bit of fun doing this, and um, Nancy was laughing at me, but she's not like she's not a horrible person, Nancy. Um, are you, Nancy? Not not so horrible, right? And, and I've never ever um, underestimate the impact of anything like this could have on someone else or on their upbringing or on their prospects. But there is a point to this. And so we did the screener thing um, sort of live and we recorded it. Um, and, and I just want you to hear what happened because after we do that, we can go into talking about how that ties in with disagreeability and desirable difficulty and what it looks like. And I hope that this is useful to you, whether or not um, you know anyone who is in a, in a similar situation. 
I'm nervous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Are you recording? Mm-hmm. Is it recording now? It's recording. Right, okay. We're on. So, so what we're going to do here is we surprise Nancy, because Nancy, so Nancy, podcast editor, and what else is your job title? I, I can't remember. Digital content manager. Digital content manager. Um, we're going to surprise her with something for the podcast, and this is going to span over three issues, this, and then... Um, because I want her reaction as this goes on. So I've just pulled up a page on on the Tinter web here, and um, it's a, it's a screener. It's a it's a screening tool for ADHD, and we're going to go through the screening tool for me. <laughs> um, so I, do you have a sense of how this might go? Um, no, I've not done this. Uh, this is totally random, right? I've not absolutely not. But I'm excited. Right, I've not done. I've not <laughs> done the. Um, I've not done this before. But I'll give you a little. You have. You're going to have to stay with these three episodes, and the three episodes for disagreeability are split, um, over over um, because in between them there'll be interviews, so they're split over a longer period of time. So I'm going to force you to stay with me to the punchline of these, right? And there is a big punchline in these episodes, okay? And it's not the answer to this, but there is a big punchline. But this is part of building the building the plan, and that all of this, oh Nancy, all of this audio is going to go in uncut because. We tried to record this last week, week before. Yeah, we and did. It, yeah. To be honest, it was utter shite, wasn't it? And yeah, it was. It was great. And I mean, I'm a apparently like a GDC registered specialist in oral surgery who's taken out tens of thousands of teeth, and I can tell you that recording that podcast was like pulling teeth. It was brutal, <laughs> right? And we, so we've just ceremonially deleted everything we recorded because that's what you have. That's what you have to do in the entertainment industry. And um, and the theme of this is already a better one, isn't it? Yeah, it's already going better, right? So. I've gone on to here, so I've gone on to ADHD UK, right? ADHD, and it's ADHDUK.co.uk. This is the adult ADHD screening tool, okay? And we're going to answer the questions. So you're going to help me answer the questions because you know me, right? How long have you worked here? Um, two years. And now. you're a patient of mine. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, it's yeah. Great. I'm breaching confidentiality. That. No, so you're can a say that. But that comes in another podcast later. So I hope <laughs> okay. everybody's keeping up with this. Shall we go to section A? I don't think there's only two two sections. Absolutely. And then it gives you a score. Do I, I need to see the screen? No, Jesus Christ, no. Okay. And um, I'll just read what I'm because 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 the, the good viewers, listeners at home can't see the screen, right? Okay. So section A. Please take the answer that most closely represents the frequency of occurrence of each of the symptoms. And before we start this, this is like a proper medical examination, so you can't laugh. There's no Sorry, laughing. I'm just... be laughing at this because I could be diagnosed here with a condition. Okay, so you can't it's be laughing. Because I actually asked you the other week, are you actually diagnosed with so, it? So there we go. Right. So first question: How often <laughs> do you have trouble wrapping up the final details of a project once the challenging parts have been done? <laughs> Never. Really. Sometimes, often, or very often. So we have to agree on an answer to this, okay? Read it again. How often do you have trouble wrapping up the final details of a project once the challenging parts have been done? So finishing things. So I think... I think never. I never finish. So that means I very often have the problem. Yeah. I agree. Okay, <laughs> I never finish anything. We agreed on that? I agree. Yeah, right, thank you, okay. How often do you have difficulty getting things in order when you have a task that requires organisation? When do I stick to the agenda? Um, never. Never. So that's a very often that happens. Okay, mm. I never stick to an agenda. Have you ever known me to stick to an agenda? No, never. Because in between, in the middle of this podcast, I'm likely to go off and do something else, aren't I? Exactly. Right, okay. Because time for, is precious for, with for, you. For the for the for the benefit of the listeners, um, 
this was a two-hour podcasting um, session that we put and nailed down, so we had to get this podcast finished, and I already used 50 minutes of it on other things, didn't I, before we started? <laughs> yes. Right, okay. Okay, how often do you have problems remembering appointments or obligations? <laughs> Always. Okay, very often. Good. All right, good. I, I, I'm in my mind now. I'm going to get a really high score here, which is a good thing. High scores are good things, aren't they? Um, and I've not done this. I promise I've not done this before. I can't believe this right? is happening. <laughs> <laughs> is, am I liable to get carted away? Um, when you have a task that requires a lot of thought, how often do you avoid or delay getting started? I don't think I'm too um, bad at no, that. You're, not, you're all right at that. See, sometimes you, for that middle of the middle I say of... sometimes. I think you're good at getting started. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm good at getting started. Not good at getting pissed. How often do you fidget or squirm with your hands or feet when you have to sit down for a long time? Oh, my goodness me. Right, very often. Okay. All the time. Moving along. How often do you feel overly active and compelled to do things like you were driven by a motor? <laughs> okay, yeah, very often. Yeah. yeah, okay. Go to section B. Call an ambulance? No, it doesn't say that. Um, <laughs> section B, this is the last of the sections. Okay, please answer the questions below, rating yourself on each of the criteria shown on the scale on the right side of the page. Please tick the box that best describes how you have felt and conducted yourself over the past six months. How often do you make careless mistakes when you have to work on a boring or difficult project? Holy shit. All the time. All the time. How often do you have difficulty keeping your attention when you're doing boring or repetitive work? Always. Uh, always difficult. Yeah, never keep my attention for that. How often do you have difficulty concentrating on what people say to you, even when they're speaking directly to oh you? Oh my God. Is that bad? Yeah. Am I bad at that? <laughs> I thought it was really good. It's I thought like, it was a great listener. It's like, you know you have, you are... But then you know sometimes you have about five seconds before you're turning around and you, you're you off on something oh, else. terrible. This is like, no, 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 let me tell you this. I need to tell you this quick. And then you're like, okay, 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 and then you've gone. I'm like, I'm, te- I'm a terrible person. <laughs> oh, my God. How often do you misplace or have difficulty finding things at home or at work? <clears throat> <laughs> my nickname. Oh, you've told my nickname, story, so. my nickname. My nickname as a young man straight out of uni and out of uni was Colin, where's my wallet? That was my nickname. <laughs> Apart from fat arse, but that's a different story. <laughs> How often are you distracted by activity or noise around you? All the time. All the time. I can't stand that. Um, that's why I can't work at home when my wife's there. It's I, a total I, I can be like that though. Yeah. I actually, I feel that one. How often do you leave your seat in meetings and other situations <laughs> when you're expected to remain seated? Well, this is grim, isn't it? This is really bad. How often? And I, as I'm about to answer this question, I'm re- I'm rocking back and forth. Colin in my is chair. literally fidgeting whilst he's <laughs> doing this. I explained to you the question. How often do you feel restless or fidgeting? <laughs> Constantly. Right. Okay. Oh my God, this is terrible. Right. Okay. And how often have you difficulty unwinding and relaxing when you have time to yourself? No, I don't have a problem with that. No, no, I'm don't. I can sit and eat dairy mug and eat crisps and watch a movie. So I rarely have problems with that. Okay. I've scored okay on that one. How often do you find yourself? Talking too much when you're in social situations all the time. <laughs> I never get invited to parties. When you're in a conversation, how do you find yourself finishing the... Or how often do you find yourself finishing the sentences of people you're talking to before they can finish them themselves? Do I do that? Say that again. Do I finish your sentences? <sighs> you don't finish mm, sometimes. Do I? Mm. That's interesting. I don't have any insight into that. My kids... They're Rosie does it all. That's really interesting because Rosie does it all the time. Does she? Yeah. How often do you have difficulty waiting your turn in situations when taking a, when turn taking is required? Turn Always. Turn taking is never fucking required. <laughs> Always. <laughs> How often do you interrupt others when they are busy? 
all the time. <laughs> That's what they're there for, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Oh dear. Submit to see results. I wonder if I have to. There's my. I'll probably have to subscribe to this to get an answer, right? But uh, there's a load of scores to the questions here, which are totally see, are totally irrelevant. Oh, quite. So you get question scores, right? Section A score is five, right? Mm-hmm. So that means that I have highly consistent with ADHD. Um, but section B is eleven. Holy so what shit. does that mean? Well, above four. Is, uh, so it's over four. Is highly suspected. is highly yeah. suspected as ADHD. Yeah, and so it's interesting because I see that, um, and I totally expected that. But then once I see it, I'm kind of like slightly upset. By How it. do you feel? Um, well, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's funny to do it, but it's not funny to see it. No. Um, how bizarre. Um, but anyway, the, we'll come back to that um, later on in these three episodes of the podcast because it's really, really important. Because what I wanted to do in these three episodes was talk about disagreeability. But I wanted to talk about disagreeability I talk about it all the time, and I totally under—I I totally believe that everybody understands what I mean when I talk about it, but they don't, and that's why I wanted to do it in these podcasts. And then I tried to explain it using a big story at the start of the last one, and it was too serious, and it was too. Blah, and I will get back to that story, but it was introduced to me years ago by Gladwell in a book, and then I think it's taken me deciding to do some podcast stuff about it to actually frame it and understand in my mind what I mean by it so that I can then vocalize it to other people. And I get that a lot in my head. Like I see things, like you get this at work, don't you? Like I see mm-hmm. I see the end point of a project, yeah. but I can't see it. It takes me ages to get dead excited and we start. You're very good at seeing it, wanting to do it, knowing what you want to do, but quite like... But not so good at communicating yeah. it early on to what everybody else needs. And you have to come with me for a bit yeah. until it's sort of... It's like a gas, isn't it? That starts to solidify. Yeah. And so, if you look at stuff that we've got going on here, like, like, um, like the like the Colts project. Mm -hmm. So I saw that all in January, and everybody was going, "What the hell are you doing?" And then all of a sudden, we're the major sponsor of a football club, and we're all over shirts and all that kind of stuff. And I could see how that would happen, but, but, but so disagreeability. My my design for this for disagreeability is first in this first episode is to try to explain what I understand that to mean and why it's important and how it's linked to something called desirable difficulties. And then the next two will be to expand on that into our guests that we've had and say, do we find some of these traits in these guys that we think are successful? And then the last one is a showstopper um, because it's very, very personal to me. And it, and, and it, so it's about why I have to believe that what I'm saying is right or else it'll be really depressing. And so I think what we should probably do here is 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 go along now and set the tone for what uh, disagreeability is and tell a little tale about somebody who's the most disagreeable person I think I've come across and then that'll frame things for the discussions that move forwards. Just before that though, and before we go deep into the definition of Colin Campbell's style of disagreeability and the story, I want you to have a listen to a little snippet of a podcast we did last year with one of my heroes, Gurmit Samra. Um, I love Gurmit to bits, and his podcast is one of the favourite things we've done. And not just because he's the guy who managed to break all the paradigms and produce a movie for Amazon, which was super successful for almost no money, and not because he looks after Callum, my son, and has taught him so much in the world that Callum wants to go into, but because 
Gurmit's a bit disagreeable, I think. And I want you to listen to this bit of the podcast that I will return to time and time again for inspiration and see whether you can see it by way of kind of explaining where we're going with this. Going back to the idea of television, I didn't think it was made for people like me because I never saw people like me on TV. I didn't see people behind the scenes of names of cast and crew of Asianness. That's why I thought it was unattainable. But as soon as I got that little benchmark, I was like, okay, what's next? So did you get that? Did you see the fact that Gurmit is looking at a world where he doesn't seem to belong, where no one else who seems like him has ever gone to do the things that he wants to do? And so his choice is to just not go and to do something else, more in keeping with what, in inverted commas, people like him do. But he doesn't. He goes on anyway, and he does it. And that's, I think, the thing we need to explore. So what do I mean by disagreeability? I'm not talking about someone who just stonewalls and stands and shouts and refuses to accept and always wants their own way. I'm talking about someone who has this deep understanding and vision of how things can be better. And because they're so drawn into their commitment, because they believe it so much, that they're happy to just do whatever it takes to get it. And so I guess that's what Gurmit did. Gurmit self-funded the movie Get Gone. He managed to film it all for about £60,000 and edit it for about another forty in the end and put it out for a hundred. £100,000, which is just a drop in the ocean in this world. And it's already had well over a million views on Amazon. But the guy who who kind of encompasses this most for me or the story is Jay Freireich. And Jay Freireich's story is listed much better, much more conclusively and much more eloquently by Malcolm Gladwell and David and Goliath, which is where he introduced me to the concept of disagreeability. But in short, Jay Freireich was a doctor, in fact, up until recently, I think he still was. But he started practicing in the 1950s and early 1960s in the United States. He was born in the Depression, a Hungarian immigrant in New York. And he never, ever saw his father. He was absent. And his mother had to work seven days a week, 16 hours a day. And so he was raised by an Irish woman who he thinks was called Mary. But that was also his mother's name, so he can't be sure. And his upbringing was brutal where he would be sent round the shops to try and get a cent off a bottle of milk, which was normally priced at five, but he had to find somewhere where it was priced at four or else they didn't have anything to eat. In the end, his mother remarried, and therefore they didn't have enough money for Mary the nanny, and they got rid of her. But to Freireich, it was like somebody sacked his mother, because the nanny Mary was the only woman he ever knew. And in that whole period, the only guy he saw that had any impression on him was a doctor who came to see him when he had tonsillitis. And so Friedrich, who was a poor Hungarian immigrant living in squalor at the end of the Depression in the United States, decided he wanted to be a doctor. But he had no business being a doctor. Nobody in his family had ever gone to university. Nobody had ever been a doctor. But by hook or by crook, by some sort of means, he got there. And he became a doctor in Chicago. Now, the short version of this story is that J. Freireich basically invented the cure for childhood leukemia using multidrug chemotherapy. But after he had also identified the fact that platelet transfusions for children who are dying of leukemia were essential. And he resisted all the efforts to stop him 
and in effect did some terrible things, trialling medicines on kids who died, doing examinations and investigative procedures on children like bone marrow aspirates from shin bones while they were awake. But we can look back at that now, and my wife works in children's cancer, and she knows that there's a 90% cure rate if your child is diagnosed with leukaemia tomorrow, whereas it was a 90% fatality rate when Freirich started. And we can look back and say, should Jay have done that? And we can debate that, but I think most people now would be glad that he did. But I don't think that's the point. I think the point is, how did he do that? And I think the point is, how did he have the resilience and the perseverance and the state of mind to go on to do that when the whole world was against him, calling him Frankenstein doctor, trying to shut him down and trying to strike him off? And there's something in Jay's background and all of that horribleness that he had to endure, which became a real difficulty that was actually desirable. And that desirable difficulty and the scaffolds he built around that difficulty were the things that allowed him to be disagreeable enough to say, no, we're going in the right direction and we're making a difference. And it doesn't matter how many stones you hurl at me and what names you call me, but because my convictions are so strong, I'm going to continue. And so the definition of disagreeability in this sense is a linear analogue scale of people who just will not abide by rules which they think are inherently wrong. And this is edgy and it's dangerous because it's also an excuse that people can use for doing bad things for their own benefit. But that's the point, I think, is that people who are disagreeable in this sense they don't do it for themselves, they do it for someone else. And they don't do it for money, they do it for something else entirely. And as you start to drip back through the podcast, and also the interviews that are still to come, you're going to see that come up time and time again. And I really hope that you'll see it come up after a while without me asking you to look for it. Okay, so... We'll jump back a little bit here, back to the back to that ridiculous questionnaire, and I'll try and bring Nancy in just for a little bit here because we were, I, I did that thing where I surprised you, didn't I, and said you're going to be on the podcast today, and then you didn't like that. Yeah, you did. And you were, and so what was the word you used to describe that? You said you were nervous. And nervous. Right, <laughs> and so that if you want, I I want to try and encourage people to look at this concept of disagreeability as a superpower, as a weapon. Right, that you can use to progress things, and so ne- when you're nervous, you 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 re- you resist. You want to shrink away. You want to it it, it you know it, the 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 whole urge of your body is to say, well, I don't want to do that. And and I remember that feeling. Well, I I know all about that feeling from all sorts of different things. But somewhere along the line, I learned the narrative to change that. Um, in my life and we used it when we were at the cup final last May with the Mustangs the football team um, just the one that Callum scored the winning free kick in but you know just saying that that's a separate issue <laughs> but in the changing rooms there in Elkiston town in the stadium we were in and it's these Ricardo seats and the wireless speakers and the boys having, they're terrified and so what you say about nerves is you go well you're not nervous you're excited mm-hmm. right and so if you didn't have a little bit of disagreeability about you um you would have said, no, I'm not coming on it. But it's the disagreeability that allows you to go, well, my body's telling me that the rules are that I shouldn't do this, but actually I'm going to do it. And harnessing that 
ability to to to, to grab that sort of disagreeability. It it allows us to go forwards. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And so the 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 whole questionnaire thing and the ADHD thing, and I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, and I'm not going to see anyone to diagnose it because I'm not fussed about having a badge or a or a label to do with that. I just I'm really interested in understanding my own psychology to make it better because like in answering those yeah. questions or things you're saying I'm, I'm saying it's asking me if I interrupt your sentences well I'd be absolutely horrified if I'm people think that that's what I do so I need to yeah. have a look at what I'm doing and it's useful for that but it's more about thinking backwards and going well when I was 15 I was jittery and jumpy I had to train a basketball to calm myself down the, the, I was an older boy and the priest said oh he's definitely going to be a politician because he talks too much and all of those things and and I, I managed to build a scaffold around myself around my disadvantages that I can clearly see now and so people what people don't understand about me is that I'm inherently really shy and so when I speak to an audience um, it makes me sick Whatever it is, and and it's just really that I turn up even in our own place and sit in my seat at the front, even on a Tuesday meeting, that I'm not repulsed at the thought of doing it, right? But I, I that was with me my whole life, and so what I did was I thought, well, I can't accept that. I, I, that's going to hold me back. So I have to develop a means by which I can cope with that, and that's my scaffold. And so I was able to, I think. I can see situations really clearly socially because I was always looking from a shy perspective about what was going on and how I should act. And that's that's now known as emotional mm-hmm. intelligence. That's EQ. That's Daniel Goldman who yeah. defined that. And EQ is learnable. It's teachable mm-hmm. to your children. Absolutely, IQ, yeah. IQ isn't. So IQ is coded, mm-hmm. right? And so I, by pure luck and pure chance, self-taught myself EQ in that situation where I'm so shy that I don't want to come out of myself. So then I would look at the situation to see whether it was a safe place for me to come out. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And secondly, I, I'm, I I fashioned myself a mask that I could put on in those circumstances, which is this, you know, larger than life prick who stands up <laughs> like this, right? You know, the one every Tuesday meeting in the clinic. But the problem with putting the mask on is it's that's not exactly who you are and it's exhausting. Right? Yeah. And so I if I lecture for a day, I'm utterly broken at the end of the day because I'm constantly trying to hold it together. Right? Whereas I know other guys that speak and they think that doing a lecture day is just the easiest thing in the world and it's money for nothing. It's never like that to me. And and so that so investigating the ADHD thing for me is looking to go, well, is that narrative that I've created about this, is it true, right? So is that my G. Freireich thing? Is that is the way I came up and the dis- and the disadvantages I felt I had and the way I overcame them? Is there a parallel thing with Jay there? So is do we did we did we build this ridiculous fecking tin hut in the middle of a field and go through the fire to get here in a way that very few people would have actually done because it was utterly ridiculous. But look where we are now. Would I have been able to do that had I not had the disadvantages of when I was younger? And if that is in fact true, can we look at some of the guys now who are back there at the moment trying to navigate a world which is, to me, almost unnavigatable for guys of your age and younger, Nancy, right? 
mm-hmm. with, the, the, with the constant comparisons on social media, with the constant poking of this, yeah, exactly. with the constant potential burners for anxiety, can we go back to them and say, it's all right if you're a bit fucked up because we can take your fucked upness and if we build a scaffold around it, your fucked upness can be your superpower. Right? Yeah. And so I have to believe that this is true um, for reasons that will become apparent in the third part of this. But in the first part, I just, I want you to go back to Gurmit and I want you to think when he was sat there um, as a Punjabi Sikh guy desperate to go into television and broadcasting um, and he's from humble background, Gurmit, and he's got really limited chance of doing that. How did he manage to do that and why did he do it? And one of the things he talks about in the podcast is about that one woman who believed in him. She was the hook that he said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And he goes back and he talks about her so fondly. And I guess the punchline here is that, you know, disagreeability is is a thing. And if you're teaching on a business course or guys who are starting out in implant dentistry and they're trying to make a name for themselves and make a place for themselves or we're educating our kids through difficult times, it's all right to encourage that a bit. And it's all right to say, let's have a look at this. Let's go out of left field. Let's do something different. That's what you did. Mm-hmm. Right? Why are you fucking here, right? Yeah. So, you know, you could have just, that. You know, you've never worked in marketing before. So why would you work in marketing? Thanks for the offer of a job in marketing, but I'm not in marketing, right? <laughs> exactly, right? yeah. And so, so I think that as we go back to that, I think, first of all, we may accept that that disagreeability is a thing, right? But, but again, the definition of it around the fact that it, it's the ability to, to go against the rules or stand outside of the guardrails when it seems appropriate for your mission. And desirable difficulties come with that. So the stuff that you that happened to you that was shit or, or, or the label that you have or the diagnosis that you get, you can flip that around and make it into a superpower. But the third part of that triad, the third bit of your stool is probably the fact that we need government's inspirational person, don't we? We need the people that said they gave us a hand up and said it's all right to come up here. And you know, I can list the guys who 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 were for me and some of them have been on the podcast. But more importantly, it's up to us to be that guy for other people. I think that's yeah, the thing, isn't it? Definitely. And to say it's yeah. all right that you're a mess. Um but it'll be all right in a minute and I'm going to show you how to get there. And yeah. Yeah. And so the next two episodes of this will hopefully be something worth listening to because I think what we're going to do in the next one is investigate different people who have these traits to try and give examples of what that is. And then in the third one, we're going to focus on a specific topic of this, which is very common and very current. And we're going to take you to the punchline um, at the end of the three episodes. So I hope that this is good. If you like it or you're, you have a story to tell about this or you connect then give us a shout okay and speak to me and and we might be able to share some of that with other people um but it's worth remembering at the end of this nancy that um i know you were nervous and it worked out all right didn't it and now you're nervous again what you're nervous about now look i interrupted you see that you were about to speak <laughs> you <start. laughs> I'm what i interrupt what 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 you were nervous about there was of being on right so i've asked several people to be on this podcast and they've refused really and i have somebody who has a brilliant story to tell and they will not come on it i'm obviously not going to say on no that, obviously right 
that I really want to because I'm disagreeable. Yeah. To call them out, but they won't come on it. I've also had other people record podcasts here that are never going to see the light of day because they're shit. Yeah. And you know some of those. Yeah. And we've done them and gone, they're so beige. Yeah. They're just nonsense, right? But you're also a little bit nervous about the fact that if we go on here and do an ADHD screener for adults and we find it funny that I'm an idiot, that other people might take offence to that. So we should probably remember in that situation that we were laughing at me. Absolutely. Absolutely laughing at at you. you With you also, just knowing you, how you are. But you were laughing at me, weren't you? And I'm highly offended by that. That's okay, (laughs) right? Okay. But um, offence is taken. It's it's not, it's more... It was just the nervous of the unknown, really. I didn't uh, know what you were planning. Because you, you, you never know with you. You never know what you're going to say, what you're going to do. Okay. But I'm never... Yeah, it's always excitement. Yeah, I would you never, were never I nervous. Would, you were excited. I was always excited. <laughs> I never... Okay, guys. So uh, that's enough of a head fuck for the moment. Um, so you interrupted me there. <laughs> you interrupted <laughs> me back? Oh, you're so disagreeable. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Bye.